T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. WTIC, good afternoon. Monday, another week is right here, ready for us. Anthony was all excited by this uh, Roger Waters interview. You know, the guy from Pink Floyd who broke up with the band, I don't know, 25 years ago, went out on his own. And the court gave them the big floaty thing. What was the big floaty thing? I can't even remember what their iconic... It was a pig or something, wasn't it? Pink Floyd? They had that, like, floating triangle, right? Wasn't that I there? thought it was an animal. But no, it's know. a triangle with a rainbow. That's anyway, it. he lost the he, he lost the rights to their... All the stuff that he said he had invented. Um, he Because of the way the band split, the court ruling went against him. Anyway, he was on with Michael Smirkanish on CNN. And this is, uh, it's funny because he, they're actually having a debate, he and Michael Smirkanish. And Roger Waters sort of uh, outdoes and outmaneuvers Smirkanish in this back and forth. And part of it's just emotional. But part of it is that Smirkanish is, I, I think, not up on the politics he's talking. But listen to Roger Waters for a sec, because this is funny and it, it leads into something else I want to talk about. I would suggest you. <laughs> Michael, that you go away and read a bit more and then try and figure out what the United States would do if the Chinese were putting um, nuclear armed missiles into Mexico and Canada. The Chinese are too busy encircling Taiwan as we speak. Okay? They're not encircling Taiwan. Taiwan <laughs> is part of China. And oh. that's been absolutely accepted by the whole of the international community. Listen how mad Roger Waters gets. He doubles his volume. Community since 1948. And if you don't know that, you're not reading enough. Go. Now, I don't believe that's true. I don't think there's anything decided since 1948 that everybody in the world would agree on. And with regard to Taiwan, they're debating Taiwan and China. And, and he's saying, well, Taiwan's always been a part of China. But there's this thing about sovereignty that is due people do individuals have the responsibility to accept as their own lives that which is handed to them by birth 
when you are born an American, does that make you responsible? Do you, have you somehow accepted what was organized 200 years ago? Or should there be a mechanism built in where everybody is updating their belief in what the, the system is all the time? I don't know what the answer is. I just think it's interesting because why would you expect people living now to think that a good deal was made by these, um, by who are, you know, history is controlled by clans mostly, gangsters who get more powerful and become the leaders. That's who makes decisions in history. Since 1948. And if you don't know that, you're not reading enough. Go and read about it. Okay. Did we solve anything here this today? Is, no. Well, yeah, we did. Well, I mean, no, we didn't. I mean, Nancy, you're, believe, you're believing your propaganda. Your side's propaganda. You're defining but it as Taiwan, propaganda. Taiwan, you, you can't have a conversation about human rights, and you can't have a conversation about Taiwan without actually Roger, doing the reading. Roger, if you're having a conversation about human rights, at the top of the list of offenders are the Chinese. Why is it always the Western uh, world? The top of why, your lip? why is it the always Chinese the Western didn't world? invade Iraq and kill a million people in 2003? In fact, as far as I can recall, hang on a minute. Who have the Chinese invaded and murdered, slaughtered? In their the own, their own bollocks. Okay, That's bollocks. <laughs> That's Roger Waters, formerly of Pink Floyd, now of Roger Waters. Oh, I just thought that was funny because uh, Smirconish didn't know what he was getting himself into, apparently. Didn't do any research. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they uh, talk earlier in that clip about uh, his old tour where he uh, depicted Trump as like uh, a pig, essentially, and talked down on Trump. But he, I love his message. He talks down on everyone, every structure. And I mean, really, as pro-America as I am, his analysis of how we are just such authoritarians and uh you know the government of the world and how we try to put our hands in everything and then blame others i mean he's so right we're the however, ones constantly doing bad things and then however if if you accept the responsibility which we did after world war ii this the the accepted narrative is that we saved the world from the nazis and that in wrapping up world war ii the war the war the world was just such a mess, and we were trying to get it, along with other countries, trying to figure out how to restructure things so that we could move forward and not be in a situation where, in a few years, like happened after World War I, the solution to World War I that was supposed to be the war that end, to end all wars, the solution put us on track for another war. And we wanted to make sure that didn't happen again. So since then, the U.S. has been the most powerful nation and the organizer of how to keep the world safe and i guarantee that anybody in that position would end up doing things that we all thought were abhorrent and i don't know how you can be in a position of, of being responsible for for keeping everything safe as best you can while also managing your own imperatives at home i don't know how can you do that without having people be angry i i just don't think that's our role you know, we shouldn't, as much as, like you said, maybe that's what our role was after World War II, I just, especially now, I I mean, I didn't really see the effects of after World War II, obviously, in my lifetime. So I don't think about it like that. I just think about it as we always have our noses involved in everything. Sure, but, but if you look at, if you look at Europe, Europe basically does not have its own military 
because that was part of the design. And this, I, you know, I've got a big problem with this. I'm not saying it's right, but it is what we've been living on, that Europe doesn't have a military of any power. No, none of those countries that I can think of have big militaries. The Japanese do not have a big defensive apparatus because the, the idea was we would take care of it for everybody. And that would lead to long-term peace. And guess what? We've had long-term peace, except for the stupid wars that we have led the world into. Look at how full circle it's come, though. Now Europe has us protecting them when we left them because they were so authoritarian. Like, it's so weird. It's but not we, like, why is but it even we left set up them, that way? We left them set up that way because we were concerned that if one of them had a military that was too strong, they'd get sucked into war with somebody and the world would melt down again like this is the configuration that the world came up with to give us peace i'm not a big world war ii historian if somebody knows this better and can describe it to us give us a call at 860-522-9842 but i it's just interesting you know there are two sides to all these stories and you listen to roger waters there got all pumped up with anger over the fact that he doesn't understand that the gangsters who were briefly controlling taiwan after world war ii made a deal to to uh have it be under the control i think it was the roc had it under the control of the um uh, the people's republic of china but i'm not positive uh, should everybody be bound to that in perpetuity i don't like these long-term deals that's how we got into world war one by the way we were dragged into world war one because there were alliances all these alliances and those alliances were essentially trigger laws that required war to break out if anybody did anything that was uh, violating NATO, for example, that kind of thing. NATO is different, but I'm, I'm just saying it, it's that kind of mechanism. Like, I question NATO because NATO is a trigger. Any Because there's a mutual defense pact, doesn't that make you vulnerable to war when something like Ukraine breaks out? And, and the U.S. actually couldn't play its normal role because it was too concerned about being dragged into a confrontation with um, the Russians. Anyway, it's complicated stuff. But I just think it's funny how, how, uh, how Roger Waters went ballistic. Okay, coming up, I do want to get into a little of this territory, too, because I've, I've got some sound cuts from Dwight Eisenhower, the uh, 35th president of the United States, I believe. And, and uh, he's famous for this speech about the military-industrial complex. And I was just doing some reading over the weekend and watching some videos of him today to try to get a better feeling for what exactly that was about. And I want to play it for you. We're going to take a quick break and then talk on WTIC. something from the Todd Feinberg show listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast there isn't much that people talk about Dwight Eisenhower for every president comes down to a few words in a little sound clip that gets played over and over again every big leader from the past even we know very few of their words it's a play the hits kind of thing. 
right? What do you know that JFK said besides ask not? Can you think of anything? Anyway, Dwight Eisenhower, president in the 1950s, general in World War II, is well known for his address to the American people on the military-industrial complex and his warning to us of the power that that represented. And I thought this was interesting, and I, I went back to it to revisit it this weekend and was listening to, to this uh, particular speech I want to share with you right now. Just some shortcuts so you get a feeling for what he was saying, because I find it intriguing, and I think you will too. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. He's talking post-World War II. Well, really, World War II launched us in this direction. Our military organization today bears little relation to that known of any of my predecessors in peacetime. Totally different scenario because inside of that few years, our entire economy became a war machine. Or indeed by the fighting men of World War II or Korea. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists. Misplaced power. Listen to that phrase again. I think it's really nice what he said there. Or Korea. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals. That's a really interesting idea, isn't it? Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals. Does anybody think that we have successfully achieved what he wanted us to do? He was speaking directly to us. That's why he had that line in there about the people. Again. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry. Is that us? Are we an alert and knowledgeable citizenry? Can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals. Our peaceful methods and goals. Now what occurred to me when I was listening to this is he was concerned about the rigged system. He was concerned that the power of the machinery of war it had become such a big thing that he was worried that even for the president of the United States, even for the United States government, it was uncontrollable. It was becoming uncontrollable. And he was warning the American people. Can compel. Wait a sec, wait a sec. Here it is. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry. He, he wanted us to be the guards of our own liberty. And Dwight David Eisenhower was watching what was happening as president. And he thought it was going to spin out of control. Maybe he thought it was already spinning out of control. Maybe he thought already there was a war of sorts going on for control of the country because of the lust for those dollars, for that military might to become a marketplace dominated by the United States. Now that's part one of this. Part two for me 
is I think this extends into everything. If you look at what's happened to education, there should never have been centralized control of education, either at the state level or the national level, because, and, and really, there shouldn't be government involvement with education because you don't want government to be able to get control of systems and then be able to sell the power off to special interest groups. And that's what's happened with education and unions. We would just be better off. Back to the conversation that I had yesterday after I was getting yelled at by the, Kath, uh, the caller, Matthew, if you heard him. He was talking about how public schools are the only way to go, and which, of course, is ludicrous. They're the only way not to go. You never want centralized control because then the way decisions get made is by leverage from outside forces who come in and buy the right to make the decisions. And that's what, that's what public sector unions have done with education. And that's what the military-industrial complex has done with war. That's what Dwight Eisenhower was warning us about way back when. Our military organization today bears little relation to that known of any of my predecessors in peacetime, or indeed by the fighting men of World War II or Korea. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. But we haven't, we haven't only allowed it, the weight of that machinery, we've allowed it to control our use of the military we've allowed it to control United States policy we've become cheerleaders not so much now but certainly through the uh, through the well I, I suppose we would do it again in a second because we're so we're so enthralled by big government and the wielding of force but what we can see now is it's not just the military the whole of our government is now controlled by external forces who are buying influence. When, when, when the, the political class is telling us about the problem with money and politics, when they're complaining about money and politics, what they're saying is that money is coming to them. The people in possession of that money, the lobbyists, the special interest groups, are coming to our elected officials and influencing them to vote certain ways writing legislation for them writing little pieces of legislation to be inserted in exchange for campaign donations our whole government now is no longer a democratic we do not have democratic government in my opinion, because of this dynamic that Dwight Eisenhower was warning us about. This is right before he left office. This was his parting shot. And it's interesting, if you, if you think about Donald Trump coming to power and him going to war with the intelligence agencies, I think what he was doing was his own rebellion against the influence. Well, not just them, yes, the media too that he was rebelling against the idea that we would have these special interests who weren't looking out for the best interests of the country, just their own interests. That's what the intelligence agencies have become, because what will spies become if you let their organizations get big enough? 
which is why people get suspicious when the FBI, the federal police force, which you're not supposed to have in the United States of America, because how, do, how does a free country that's supposed to have a small federal government in order to protect us from the evils of big government, how does that small federal government have a nationalized police force that can do whatever the heck it wants? Like raid the residents of a former president of the United States to uh, get a few boxes of papers that it thinks he took inappropriately. 860 I'd like to get your thoughts on any and all of this. Rant line number 860 We'll play some rants, take some phone calls after we get ourselves a news update. You up for that? Give me a call, 860 I want to hear from people with, uh, I know there's a lot of World War II devotees out there. I'd like to um, hear some of your history knowledge. After news on WTIC. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Well, good afternoon. The rants are interesting today. There's uh, people starting to get interested in the political races, which is good because the campaigns for office really... There's tons of legwork in the early stages, the foundational stages. You think about how much time, if you're building a house, you know, you, there's, there's a long period of time clearing the land, and then somebody comes in to excavate, to uh, dig out the foundation and whatever else, and then somebody else comes in and frames the, the uh, foundation for pouring, and somebody else comes in and pours the concrete. I assume this is how it works. Maybe... Maybe these are all one contractor. I don't know. 
But, and then you start framing the house after you got the foundation done. And on and on. It takes a long time. Stuff takes a long time to build. Campaigns build over time. So it's not that what, what has been going on for the last year with, uh, with the political campaigns that have been working at it for that long, but it's not that that's not important. It's just that there's a new phase that happens in the fall where it gets serious, where there's the campaign in a lot of ways in terms of public perception hasn't happened yet even though a lot of money has been spent just building name recognition and building goodwill with tv advertising like in the governor's race but that's foundational they're still building the foundation the average person won't see the house of the campaign going up until the fall and that's when the campaigns take shape and we start to see what the real slugfest is going to be about That's where we are. So that's showing up now, which I think is interesting. There, as, as we play today's rants, um, keep that in mind, that there's some rants in there about the gubernatorial election and, and also um, Leora Levy and, and her run for U.S. Senate. 860 So... I played you Dwight David Eisenhower talking about the military-industrial complex. My theory is that the military-industrial complex, that that was what he was concerned about or what he was conscious of because he was a general. He had come out of the military and became president. And he was scared by the power that the military was already demonstrating over government. Now, you can imagine that a former general as president of the United States, conscious of a power shift going on in the country where the military and the machinery around it was becoming too powerful, that he would be somebody who would work hard internally to, to try to control it. And maybe he was a little concerned as he gave up power that there might not be a general again. There might not be somebody savvy enough to be in a position to push back properly against the military-industrial complex. Okay, one other topic I want to throw out for you before we start playing some rants has to do, well, this is more kind of wide open. It's more of a cultural question. How do I phrase it this morning, Anthony? Can you uh, state that question? I loved how you stated it when, you, when we were on the phone earlier. Because you were excited about your own answer to that question. What was the question? Oh, uh, what's the worst thing that's happened since World War II? Yes. What is the worst thing that has happened since World War II? Changes in the world. Tell us what your answer was. I would say the Internet has to be the answer. Because as much as I love the Internet and I'm so entrenched in it, and especially with our job, constantly on it, always checking things... But I kind of feel like uh, the 80s, 70s. I mean, I get, the computers were around, but it wasn't like it is now. I think that was like the perfect time. Happy medium of enough technology, but not too much technology. We weren't constantly being tracked and listened to, and now we're at a point. Well, computers were a new tool for doing business mostly, and, yeah. and you know, the new typewriters. 
But that's different from, from the Internet, which is earth-shattering. One of the biggest moments in human history, is it not? But it got me to thinking, your answer, Anthony, got me to thinking about which modern development would you not be perfectly willing to say goodbye to? Is there a modern development that you could just say goodbye to? I don't know. That's the problem. Now that we have all this stuff, it's like, I don't know if I could live without it. Well, you would adjust because yeah. people, all of humanity did before the Internet came along 30 years ago. But, but are there others? Like, does it matter that we have cars that will go 80 miles an hour and police don't even bother pulling them over? <laughs> does it, does it, would it matter if we didn't have cars? Would it matter if we were still riding around on horses? Would it matter if we didn't have central heating? Like, where would you draw the line on the thing that you're willing to get rid of? The well, Internet sounds like an easy one to give up. Well, it's just, um, I guess, the information aspect of it. Like, obviously, a lot of these things we kind of need um, for us, I guess, convenience and to make our lives easier. But when it comes to, like, things like social media and streaming and the constant... You know, keeping your eyes glued to the screen. I think that's what I'm more referring to. Obviously, other things, it just makes life easier. And well, that's more of what which, it was like. Which part of the Internet do you view as being critical? I guess the data storage part of it. But, but that's why? also But that's also uh, just because it does a lot of things like, quote-unquote, paperwork that none of us really want to deal with. But we could do paperwork before internet. Oh, the internet I, that's is just my most hated thing. That's my most hated thing, paperwork. I'll let the computer handle it if I can. But but I'm not saying computers, I'm just saying internet. Yeah, I mean I guess it just got moved to a different place. So it just seems easier because you no, don't have eighty a, documents in front of you. You mean because they're all stored online? Yeah, just because it's on a screen rather than all laid out. Oh, my, maybe. my Lord, give us a little perspective here. That's the most minor of things. You actually have n virtually no contact with numbers at your stage of life. And you're, you're talking about little spreadsheets on your... on your. Uh, yeah, I can't handle that. Your monthly budget or something. <laughs> but you could do those on the computer before. I just don't, I don't see what's so valuable about the Internet that we couldn't live without it. I see what's valuable about it. I love the internet. But I also see us being thrown into this rapid change that allows government to mess with us more. Government is I I see government as being the big problem. But I look at it on the other uh, other end of that though as well, like without internet and without a big online presence like we have now, it's hard to keep governments accountable. Like who knows what they were getting uh, away with when there was no real actual accountability at least from a citizen standpoint like journalists held themselves to a higher standard than they do now but citizens almost were just left in the dark so i think at the same time it could be also good to help keeping government accountable but we're just using it in the propaganda sense now um with how we talk about politics online at least as a society so you're saying maybe that government was more honest before or maybe government was way more dishonest and we just didn't have the insight. I would say before. probably more dishonest. Um, and they were used to the journalists that pressed them for the truth. So they, I feel like they had a better way of handling it than as to now. 
I mean, everything's kind of out there. So it's it's easier to call out these people. It's easier to go and look at, oh, okay, Nancy Pelosi's husband put in for uh, a, a chip stock before they passed this new bill to create more chips in the United States. Like, all this stuff is out there now. And I think that's going to lead to a lot of change, I think, over time especially. Really? Yeah, no doubt. I mean... I see no sign of that. I, it, it strikes me that Nancy Pelosi buying stocks that she's also making decisions about is now baked into our understanding. Like nobody will be moved when a fact that adds on to that comes along because they'll say, oh, yeah, Nancy Pelosi's been doing that for years. I just think especially once younger people start getting more and more involved in politics, that's the kind of stuff that none of us can get behind or support. I mean, none of these people, that's the perfect example. But you're talking about the people who believe in bigger government. And gov- those are government crimes. But that I was should be I, the indicator. I, I mean, I was a, a, as at that mindset of one exactly. point. Exactly. So but I, that's you've only changed because you work in talk radio, so you've been exposed. <laughs> it's true. But the, the the rest of your classmates, I think, from a few years ago, are such bigots, are such hate, hateful people who stand on I, one I don't agree side of the divide. They're not. They're not the ones who are motivated by claims of uh oh well he's a trumpist because he's a republican well some of some of them are swayed by simple arguments like that but i would say most people are at least willing to have conversations at the very least and that's i think the biggest step if you can at least open your ears and listen rather than have a screaming match where you dig your feet in more and more that's Mm -hmm. i mean that's where you get to these solutions and where people start to realize you know the principles that they believe in and how both parties really just ignore those principles when convenient um, and I, I just think it it's gotten to such a point where politics are so polarizing. And the only thing they have right now is talking bad about Trump that I think it's just a matter of time until we realize both of these parties need to be held to a higher standard. I mean, obviously, the the people who, who love both parties and, and support them, they're not really going to hold them to a higher standard. So it's really going to have to be the people who are moderates or the people who don't necessarily care about politics at this moment. Yeah, it's interesting. The lack of trustworthiness is dividing us more. The fact that government is not trustworthy causes people to, um, the whole political discourse, to disintegrate even further. 860-522-9842. We've got rants to play. What is the date today? It's 2021st or 22nd? 22nd, I think. Yeah. Um, so we'll play some rants. We will play some sound cuts associated with this topic. We will take some phone calls, 860-522-9842. And you can put something down on the rant line if you want, 860-751-4698. And we will, um, well, that's the agenda for right now. Leibowitz uh, is supposed to call in around 410. Chris Powell in an hour. I forgot who we have after that. Let's talk to Robin Middlefield. Hi, Rob. Yes. Hello. This is uh, Rob. I, yeah, I had a question about, uh, just, I just heard in the news, uh, Fauci's uh, retiring. That's or he's the word. Moving on. Yeah, he's going to move on to his next chapter or whatever. Yes. He's still going to be employed, evidently. But the question I have, <clears throat> if he's going to be employed and someone's going to shell out money, do you think it's going to be from a, a private sector or the um, public sector as far as uh, his retirement shelling out money is that what you mean 
No, no, he's gonna he's gonna continue working, but a private company wanna hire not say not your old person. He's gonna work for some type of college or state institution where he's still gonna suck off the taxpayers. And he, he should have sucked off enough where he could just cozy on home. <laughs> well he will he will uh I, I have a feeling he's not much of one for retirement, so he will do wh- whatever makes him the most but, but money. But what company would hire him? Oh, are you kidding? To... With his political oh, I... connections? Uh, well, yeah, lobbyists, maybe. Yeah, you got a point there. Pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, yeah, you nailed that one. Yeah, I think he can make a ton of money. All right, Rob, thank you for that. We'll take more phone calls. Play the rants coming up on WTIC. to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. WTIC, Anthony just said something to me. He says, well, is this what you were saying, that when Trump is done that the world will get sane again? Is that what you mean? Essentially, yes. I think we're already getting there. People are sick of it. 860-522-9842. 860-522-9842. Are you sick of Donald Trump? Would we be better off if he moved on? I was actually at a party. I didn't tell you this, Anthony. I was at a party over the weekend. And this um, this guy I know who spends, I don't know, a big chunk of his life in Florida. He's a big money guy, loves investing money in political campaigns, super PACs, stuff like that. And... He said he and his buddies, who were big Trump guys, big Trump guys, they can't wait for him to go away. I said, why? I'm surprised that you feel that way. And he said, um, well, you, you can't tell what's going to happen. There's no predictability. And people with a lot of money, they care most about predictability because they want to invest. And you can't invest. You don't put up a building if there if you don't know there to be solid land. Yeah, you want a sure thing. Right. You want solidity. You want a foundation. You want to make sure that you can you're investing in something that has parameters you can trust. So I'm wondering what you're feeling about that too. Would you would you rather that Trump go away? Would we be better if Donald Trump somehow disappeared it occurred to me over the weekend i hadn't really thought had this thought which in in retrospect is silly of me but i had the thought that the that the democrats did the raid on mar-a-lago on purpose in order to win the elections in november that they wanted to make sure that trump and not biden would be the focus of conversation and media coverage. Well, and that exactly goes back to what I was just telling you. I think Trump is the only person in politics right now that gets people so distracted from the the constant mayhem that currently goes on within the structure that people ignore it, at least for a few moments, to point at Trump and say, oh, he's what's wrong and we need to do whatever we can to get rid of him. When, When he's gone... They're not going to have that anymore. And when they don't have that, 
both parties, I think the only way they move forward is if really they hold their side accountable. I mean, right now, the GOP, they don't have a ton of influence. I think they kind of need to remodel themselves either way. And then the Democrats, they can't just say, oh, we're not as bad as Trump anymore. I just think either way, the plan forward is holding these people accountable. Right now, we'll go into a vicious cycle a little bit until Trump's gone. But I, I just think long term, that's the only way this continues to progress. Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. Little opinion by Antonio. Thank you for that, Anthony. Todd. Yes. Can you tell me why the DMV is still on COVID restriction? The the motor vehicle department? By appointments only? These stupid Democrats. The coronavirus is over. It's over, dummies. Ah, they don't want to let go of that coronavirus, though, do they? They like the power it provided. Armand's calling from Avon. Hi, Armand. Armand! Perspective upside down. Sorry, Armand, start over again. You weren't there at the beginning. I'd like to turn your perspective upside down as it relates to Trump. Okay. Is Trump really the cause of the media frenzy? Or is it the rabid dog attacks from the left? Uh, well, the rabid, I, I view the attacks from the left and the media being a singular thing because the media just parrots whatever the left says. Um, so I'm not sure what the difference is. Well, I, what I'm trying to say is I think the actions by the left and the Democrats drive the frenzy more than I think Trump would be a lot quieter if they weren't such rabid dogs. Oh, yes, no question. But what they do know is they've made him this um, this root of all evil character where half of the country just goes crazy at the idea that he's a focal point. And right. it, al- it allows them to uh, turn up the heat on him and, and have everybody looking in his direction. Agree with so, that? Yes. But what I love about Trump is he has taken the covers off the Democratic Party and shown what they are capable of. I believe that that is true. However, the electrification that goes on around Trump hits both sides. And this is a confusing thing politically. You know, both sides get motivated. And that's part of what's going on with the, or supposed to be going on right now. The the, the race is getting closer for this November because... Everybody who gets motivated to vote for Republicans because of Trump is seems to get e- equal action on the other side, voting, wanting to vote because they want to vote against Trump. Agree. But as, as I want to restate, I once again think that it, it's Trump and only Trump that would have caused the Democrats and the, the rabid far left to reveal their true nature. Yes, he's got that power. No doubt about that, Armin. Thank you so much for the call. 860-522-9842. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.